Get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. It's Tuttle's Daily Podcast. Nice cock! Nice cock! Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. I'm going to get into my interview that I did yesterday with Peter Adderton, the founder and CEO of Boost Mobile. But before I get into that, I want to talk a little bit about something. I'm a broadcaster at heart. I've mostly done radio, but even TV. TV and radio broadcasting, I am absolutely infatuated with, especially this guy. And I was sad to see it. I know he was older, but you just never prepare yourself when one of these icons passes. But Regis Feldman, the guy was a legend, held the, the Guinness World Book record of being a host on broadcast TV, and he passed away today. And I'm going to play this news story because the dude deserves to be honored because he accomplished so much in the industry, was a great guy. You never heard anything bad about him. You never heard any controversy. Seemed like everybody loved him. And Regis, he kind of holds a special place in my heart. I never got to meet him, but I did get to meet Kathy Lee when I was working at Magic 107.7 in Orlando. And she came in and the, and Kathy Lee could not stop talking about Regis. A television fixture for more than half a century, Regis Philbin's eclectic interview style, folksy banter, and self-deprecating sense of humor made him the talk show host others wanted to emulate. Philbin was raised in the Bronx. After a stint in the Navy, he headed west to San Diego, where he landed his first talk show, The Regis Philbin Show. We'll be right back now. Philbin's See, now everybody knows them with live with Regis and Kathy or Regis and Kelly. But I think he reached all new heights, all new levels when he started doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Everybody loved that goddamn show. Brink to talk show superstardom brought him next to Los Angeles, where he took over hosting duties from Steve Allen, before finally bursting onto the national stage as the sidekick on the duties from Steve Allen, before finally bursting onto the national stage as the sidekick on the Joey Bishop show. The hottest thing on records, Regis Philbin. Yeah. It's live with Regis and Kathy Lee. In 1985, he was back home in New York, sharing interview duties with Kathy Lee Gifford. Their show, Live with Regis and Kathy Lee, became a ratings winner, with the popular duo working together for 15 years. See, that's the thing about it. Everybody wants to talk about that morning show being a duo. It really wasn't. That was Regis's show. I know Kelly, Kelly Ripa is still doing it, but he was a common denominator in everything. He did it with Kathy Lee Gifford and Kelly Ripa and was able to still march on. 
If it wasn't for him wanting to retire, hell, Regis would still be the top billing on that morning show. It's live with Regis and Kelly. In 2001, soap opera star Kelly Ripa inherited the stool beside Regis. Their on-air chemistry winning them a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Talk Show that same year. Listen, I know I'm about to make a comment because last week, talking about the morning show, I talked about how it's not fair that men are able to age gracefully and women aren't allowed to do that. Once women start looking a little bit older... They get pushed out the door as quickly as possible, as possible. But Kelly Ripa, I still find her attractive as hell, but you can start seeing it. That plastic surgery is starting to catch up to her. It's not looking as natural as it used to be. Shit's starting to look a little fake. And compared to Ryan Seacrest sitting right next to you, you gotta have your game on point because Ryan is flawless. Three years later, Philbin broke the Guinness World Record for most time on camera, then a 15,188 hours. This will be my last year on this show. And it was the biggest thrill of my life. Thanks, everybody. 2011, stepping down from the perennially successful program live after nearly 28 years. The veteran broadcaster also graced primetime, most notably as the host of the popular game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Final answer. Final answer. He was married twice and had four children. A multi-talented entertainment writer, comedian, and television personality. Philbin will be remembered as a gold standard mixture of sarcastic wit and genuine warmth. Marcy Gonzalez, ABC News, New York. Want to support the show? Go to paypal.me slash pedal on the radio. Have you considered owning your own restaurant franchise? Good Life Organics currently offers territories across the United States. Check out GLO Franchising. That's GLO Franchising on Facebook to sign up for an overview session today. Good Life Organics Franchising, a new partner of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tell them Tuttle sent you. Send them a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash GLO Franchising. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I'm very, very excited about getting this man on because I have so many questions with him. The CEO and founder of Boost Mobile in Australia, as well as Boost Mobile here in the United States, Mr. Peter Adderton. How are you today, sir? I'm going well. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get started, how are things? Where are you located? Are you in California, I think? Yeah, so we're in the COVID capital. We're in Orange County. So uh, we're uh, been here for 20 years. That's where I set Boost up. So um, it's, uh, it, it's going well. How are you guys dealing with uh, the virus, the pandemic right now? Is it, is it getting better where you're at? You know, it's, um, it depends who you ask. Where we live, we live in a gated community. So we've basically been antisocial for a long, long time. So I don't really see that many people, but I think it's, uh, it's like everywhere. I think it's, uh, it's growing as they test more. Um, I'm not sure what the ultimate outcome is going to be. 
out of this whole thing. But uh, I think we're all just getting by as best we can. Now, you are, you are going to be starting another venture. People know you from Boost Mobile. You started that. But talk a little bit about your new project that you're working on and the future plans you have for it. Yeah, so when we started Boost Mobile back in 2001, 2002, basically prepaid was like having leprosy. So if you basically were a prepaid customer, the carriers didn't want to know you. You got to remember back then it was 49% market share, which basically meant that there was still another 51% of the customers didn't even have a mobile phone. You fast forward where we are today, 110% have got multiple devices. So you got 100% have got a phone and then you've got watches and a bunch of other iPads, etc. So the market's become very, very saturated. So instead of looking for new growth, you're basically stealing from each other. So when you take that mindset of, okay, basically I'm now going to have to take from another carrier or from my competitor as opposed to a market that's growing. And it's a very, very different dynamic. So what that has done is it's put the carriers into this price discount mode, right? They'll talk about 5G and they'll talk about technology and innovation, but there's none there. There's no innovation. The carriers haven't innovated ever. I've not seen them innovate. What they effectively do is sell other people's technology. They'll talk about innovation. They'll talk about 5G, but the, the, basically it's, it's somebody else's technology that they're driving on. So what I wanted to do is upend the market. And so what we said was, you know, and I went for a long, long time trying to buy booze. For the last two years, I've spent the last two years fighting with the, uh, you know, the, the DOJ and the antitrust division and, and fighting with the FCC to try to get boost the best. And we got that. And then they sold it out to, to Charlie Ergen and Dish. And so Dish has now got that. So the whole time I was sitting there going, how do I upend the market? So the way the market works today, and most people don't realize this, is that it starts out with a carrier creating a rate plan. So they'll sit there and go, we're a 30 gigabyte, uh, sorry, a 35 or a 40 or a $50 plan. And then how much data gets attached to that? The, the average consumer has no clue how much data they're actually using. So when you walk into a store and you sit down with a dealer and you say, okay, I need to buy a phone service for me or my family, the first thing they're going to ask you is how much data do you use? Well, you don't know. You have no clue. So what then they're going to do is they're going to put you on a plan that incentivizes them. So you think about it. The carrier's created a plan which they're going to maximize the profit they possibly can. It then moves to a dealer, to a net, a net I guess, a retail dealer, and their job is to make as much commission as possible. And right down the other end of the lane is the consumer. And all these carriers are out there telling you how they're looking after the consumer. They're fighting for the consumer. The model doesn't work that way. And if you think about it, carrier makes a profit, <clears throat> the dealer's going to make the profit. And at the end of the day, the product that you get sold is basically the most margin that all those uh, eco chains can make. Can I, can I ask you, we've been through this in our country once before when we had a monopoly with the mob bell and everything going on. Do you think we're heading that way right now when it comes to cellular networks? I mean, I really do think, you know, because I, I, if I might be correct. T-Mobile just merged with Sprint, correct? Now you have all these big cellular companies and it just seems like you're only going to have one or two, which when you don't have competition, that is bad for the consumer. Well, it even goes further than that. So what you have right now in the marketplace, when they merged Sprint and T-Mobile, they lost John Ledger, right? Who was really a maverick in this space. So what you've got now is Mike Sieverts and guys are running AT&T and running Verizon is you've got logical thinkers, right? Rational thinkers. They're the last people that you actually want to have running these organizations. You want irrational thinkers. You want people who are going to think outside the box. They're going to challenge the status quo. Now, if you're an investor in the telcos, that's really, really good because now you're going to say, okay, there's going to be rational, the discounting is going to be gone. We're starting to clean up all that massive amount of price competition and now everyone's going to stabilize and we're all going to make money. And as investors, that's really good for us. 
Well, guess what? He's not good for the consumer. So what we want to do is upend the model. I want to start with the consumer and work backwards. And if we make money on that customer, fantastic. If we can't provide the service for that customer that allows them to get a great value, then you know what? That's not the customer or their customers don't want to be part of our service. What got you interested in this? Like everybody has a, a plan. They, they have a journey. When you were young and you first started getting into business, what piqued your interest in this? Was it strictly because of money or, or you growing up, you thought it was something that everybody needed to have access to be able to communicate with each other? So it actually started from a marketing angle. So I actually was, uh, had an agency that was running the marketing globally for Pepsi, KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. And we would do this research and we would see you know, that the phone became more and more important to the young person. Back in the days when we had the silver clam, connectivity became more and more important to the customer. And then I, I started thinking, well, imagine if these things became mini computers and now we can start doing all these other things. And you've got to think about when I launched a bunch of firsts, we're the first ones to launch Facebook on mobile. And no kidding. 2000, when it was an EU, everyone was fighting for MySpace. And my team came in and said, Peter, we've got to get MySpace. We've got to get MySpace. I said, no, I don't want that. I want to go after Facebook because I love the, the messaging that they were doing. First one's a stream alive concert. First one's the stream alive UFC event. We were doing things on EVDO 1X that they're doing today on, on, on 5G, oh, sorry, on 4G. So we were really pioneering a lot of the, the development and the futuristic uh, you know, approach of where mobile is going to be. I've never done anything for money, by the way. Because I was, yeah. once, I was told once by a very successful person, if you chase money, you will never catch it. And in fact, you'll end up dying trying to catch it. If you create a product and you create a service that consumers love, you'll make all the money in the world that you'll ever want to make. And so I've always put the consumer first. That's always, and even with Boost, everything that I do is how do I make the consumer's life easier? I mean, you and I both know that with a carrier today, which is supposed to be this digitally innovative company, if you look at Netflix and you look at Hulu and you look at all these services, you know, TikTok, Snapchat, when was the last time you called customer care on those guys? I mean, you, I mean, you really can because they're, they're, <clears throat> they take care of us. They're, they're all Bingo. about the user experience. Bingo. That, that you, exactly right. So everyone says, well, you know, it's a problem with the carriers because, you know, I've got a billing issue. Well, why have you got a billing issue? Because they have an archaic system that's set up. So what I want to do with MobileX is I'm going to upend the way wireless carriers operate, the way that they charge consumers. I'm going to start with the consumer and I'm going to work backwards. And without giving out too many secrets on what we want to do with our secret source, yeah. just imagine a living, breathing network that's optimizing your experience for you real time. So... You don't need a $35 plan or a $50 plan or a $45 plan. What you need is a certain amount of data usage that you use on your basic usage. And you might be very different to somebody else. You probably are very different usage to somebody else. So why bundle you into one of three or four plans when you're very unique as a customer? So we're going to create a very unique experience that's basically going to put the power back in the hands of the consumer and optimize not only their phone experience, but their network as well. Do you, you happen to know off the top of your head, what does the average consumer use in data? I know some use more than others, but if you were just taking an average of what the average American uses in data a month, what, what is it? Well, it depends whether it's prepaid or postpaid. You take Australia as an example. You know, the average usage down there is, you know, 5 to 10 gigabytes, yet these guys are buying 30 to 40. Uh, it also depends where you live and what neighborhood you live in. So if you have a very, very robust Wi-Fi service at home, then obviously you're not going to use as much data. So it's very dependent. 
But I can tell you, it's nowhere near the amount of data that people are being sold today. The other thing, which is a, is a complete lie, which really frustrates me, is, is this term unlimited. Now, if you took the unlimited yeah. term today, no, but here's the example. If you took the exact unlimited plans today and you moved those outside America to say in Australia as an example, the government would not allow you to actually call it unlimited. They would act, and, and it's been done before, and they've said, no, unless it's truly unlimited, it's not. You get to 35 gigabytes, then they start throttling you down. Yep. So basically, it's a capped plan. Now, the how much do they throttle you, though? How much do they throttle you? Oh, when they say throttle, how take, much? Some of them take you down to 2G speeds. Basically, you can't. Oh. Some of them take you to 3G. Basically, your streaming experience is gone. Now, you've got to remember that the data bandwidth on a mobile network is basically video, right? I mean, 4G, the evolution of 4G, 3D to 4G, what it did was it just changed the way that we consume video, right, on our devices. It made it cheaper and much more effective. I remember back in the day when we were doing 1X EVDL on CDMA, you'd have this buffering, right? The video would play, then it would buffer. Then it would play, then it would buffer. Well, 4G fixed that, right? Just made it basically a great streaming service. So this concept of unlimited, it's truly not true. And in most countries around the world, you would never be allowed to get away with it. But America somehow has dropped the ball on that. I mean, I called on the FCC to actually look at that because it really isn't unlimited. If you're capping somebody, then how can that be unlimited? If I tell you, you can go to an all-you-eat bar, right, an all-you-eat buffet, but tell you you can only have two platefuls, and then after that you can just go to the rice, you're going, hey, Peter. But, but that's the thing. That's how stuff, I mean, you've been here long enough. That's how thing works in this country. These mobile devices, these mobile companies are pitting the money in the pockets of the politicians that make the laws that are governed by the FCC. So they get away with it because that's how it works here in this country, which sucks. We still live in the best country in the world. But until somebody stands up to it, like, you're kind of doing, you're trying to make people aware of what's going on. Nothing's going to change. Well, the only problem you have with the FCC and the DOJ and the antitrust division, in my opinion, this is Australian looking in, is that they truly are not independent because they're appointed by the current president. So yep. they're a Republican chairman. There's a Republican antitrust. So whatever the Republican agenda is, that's it. Now, if they have a change in November, then the Democrats will put their person in and they'll be anti-business. So there's no true independence in those two divisions. Now, and I, I've never seen anything like it before. If you look at the ACCC in Australia, it's independent. It's not appointed by the prime minister who comes in. So America has this system. And I got to tell you, I spent two years working with the FCC and the Department of Justice in this whole merger. And I, I came away disingenuous, right? I came away with this feeling of this system actually doesn't work. This system is not designed to protect the consumer. This is, this is designed to protect the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And, and that's why you see the Democrats, the former chairman of the FCC, saying, I hate this merger. And you see the FCC chairman who's in there now who's pro the merger because obviously Trump and his teams are pro. So you've got that you already know what the kind of outcome is going to be by the FCC and the Department of Justice based on who's running it. And it's basically run by the party that's in power. Yeah. That's not in the best interest of the consumers. Now, I'm not going to be able to change that. You've got to work with the system. But we've got to acknowledge the flaw that can't sit back and say that, you know, the FCC and the Department of Justice and the Antitrust Division are totally independent. I mean, to say yeah. that, 
to say that would be somewhat disingenuous, as I said. Now, let me ask you, what, what innovations, what new innovations do you see around the corner when it comes to software, hardware, and cellular, cellular service around the corner? A lot of people hear a lot of rumors about 5G. What is true and what's false about 5G? Is it, is it unhealthy? A lot of people are, are, are freaked out about it. Is that just a scare tactic? It is most of these people that are scared about the health aspects of basically eating their cheeseburger while writing on Twitter how scared they are about the health factor. <laughs> yeah. So, so it makes me laugh, right? Because with any network, right, when <clears throat> they're building – uh, out there in the marketplace, no matter what it is. I remember back in the day when my mom first got a microwave, we were supposed to stand away from it because we were all going to be sterile, right? Yeah. So I can tell you that, you know, before 4G and 5G, that the carriers have taken that into consideration, as has the technology companies that are building this, that they're building what I consider to be a very, very safe network for us to use. The other thing is the 4G versus 5G, what is 5G going to deliver, right? If you listen to these carriers, uh, the CEOs of these carriers, the first thing I'll talk about is autonomous cars and drones. Do you, do you know the two people that actually aren't talking about 5G? People who make autonomous cars and drones. <laughs> yeah. Right? But they put that out there. And so what I do is when I talk to the CEOs, I say, what's the killer app that's going to change the consumer's opinion of 5G? And what's going to make them drove out there and buy a 5G phone and want to pay more for a 5G server? Tell me what that is. Still have yet to hear what that is. Now, on 4G, it was easy. The video streaming from three to four was just the bandwidth was just a mind blower. You could see the value as a customer. So I'm yeah. struggling to see the value of four to 5G. And then by the time 5G gets its feet, guess what's going to be around the corner? 6G. Yeah. Now, is there a limit? Like, are we limited to how quick? our data is going to be, how great the speeds are going to be. Is there a limit? Is there a threshold when it comes to getting data over cellular networks? So here's my question to you, because this is from a consumer's perspective. Have you, ever, have you ever played a video on your phone and went, wow, I wish that went faster? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes, but I mean, I'm a pretty patient guy. No, but, but, but I watch my videos all the time. And I'm... So all 5G is going to do is make it start faster by milliseconds, by the way, not by like five minutes or three minutes. So every time I, I'm not complaining, you know, I'm not complaining about my, when I'm in a good signal, I'm not complaining about the experience from my smartphone. I'm getting great video. I'm getting everything I want from it. What I'm complaining about is that there isn't enough coverage, right? So it doesn't work in as many places as it needs to work. So what the carriers have done is instead of finishing the 4G network and making that really, really, uh, uh, I guess, work, They've moved on to 5G and they're taking the same approach of this small build-out, spotty build-out where sometimes you have 5G, sometimes you don't. So I'm sitting there going, you know what? What customers want is a very fast speed out of 4G, but they want to use it in more places, right? And they want it to be more yeah. consistent. I mean, I don't know about you, but I drive from here, my kids from here to school, and, and I'm not going to trust a 5G network to not drop a call or have an issue while it's driving my car, right? So mm -hmm. I've got to sit back and go, there are certain limitations that all networks have, but I don't think for a second that the American carriers have finished building out, you know, Verizon has a great network, you know, T-Mobile keeps touting their fantastic network, but every one of us has a poor experience at some given time on that network. I switched over the Sprint, I switched over to Sprint 
because I was on AT&T for a very long time. And yes, a little bit cheaper, a little bit more affordable on Sprint. But the the service I'm getting is not as reliable. And that leads to my next question. A lot of people don't realize that these networks kind of share some of the same towers. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, they, they have roaming agreements. Yeah, they all have. Now, but, but can these towers explain it to me? Because I don't know. Can these towers get overloaded? Can, can the more the more that's on a tower is that ruining everybody's experience on their with their cellular networks? Absolutely, congestion is an issue that uh, if you've ever been in New York, you probably face it about four thirty five o'clock in the afternoon. Congestion is absolutely an issue uh, with the networks, and that's one of the things that they've always had issues with. They've always struggled with in in, in uh, inside the network. But they're getting better at optimizing that. They're getting better encoders to be able to make the videos play a lot more efficiently. So you, you, you've got that being built and being fixed um, very, very quickly. But it's no different to, you know, I sit here on my broadband at home and during the day it's fine and then come six or seven o'clock at night, everyone's at home and suddenly my Wi-Fi is now slowing down because, I mean, it's a pipe, right? So yeah. the more you squeeze through the pipe, the less you're going to be able to, to get. And I think what we've seen during COVID Everyone went home and suddenly people yeah. started complaining about their broadband speeds. It's because, guess what? There's a lot of people on it now. Now, all right, so, so what are the things, what are some of the issues that you could see that the cellular companies could be facing in the future? Like stuff that they need to be on the lookout for because a lot of these bigger companies they they take things for granted. They don't try to make things better. They kind of coast and rest on their laurels. More, how is there something that they need to look out for? Things that they should be concerned about in the future? Yeah, well, I think carriers are having an identity crisis right now. They don't know whether they're a media company. They don't know whether they're a distribution company. They don't know what they are. Right? And you look at the strategy that AT and T took, which was to buy Time Warner and create that HBO Max, so they didn't let. You know, Netflix and some of those other guys start to steal their customers. You look at the approach that T-Mobile's taking and you look at the approach that Verizon's taking, right? They've all got different approaches. So they're all having kind of like this identity crisis. And we basically have come to a point in time where doing the traditional carrier business, way of business is no longer going to make it work for them over the next three to five years. So the way I look at it, if you're a carrier right now, you're in an identity crisis, you're going to have to make a bet, and these are very expensive bets, on what you want to be in the next three to five years. And I think that that's the single biggest challenge. Now, their biggest threat is not each other. Their biggest threat is going to be a tech company, a brand like MobileX, somebody who comes in who is able to innovate because they've got a green field. You know, you could even argue that Dish, um, you know, even though I've been fairly critical of Dish, you could even argue that Dish with a, a green field approach could, become, could come in and create some real innovation and get to be seen whether they actually can do it or not or they can execute. But there are companies that are going to be coming in that are going to be able to execute fast, light, cloud-based services to be able to do some amazing things with eSIM and a lot of the technologies are there today. A lot of what we can do today to make the customer's experience better and to decouple yourself from the network, that technology didn't exist. It exists today. So I think there's a real challenge that the carriers are going to have with this identity crisis of what are they going to be? And they may end up just being regulated to basically a pipe that other brands uh, resell, whether that's an Amazon or a Netflix or whether that's a TikTok or whether that's us. 
Now, could there ever be, maybe I'm wrong, you're in the business, could there ever be a worldwide carrier, like somebody that, that serviced all countries across the world, or is it not possible with all the regulations? No, absolutely it's possible. And that's actually MobileX's plan. Our plan is to actually be the first true global carrier. Um, you've got to remember that the carriers see themselves as infrastructure plays, right? They, they literally build stuff, right? They build towers, they buy spectrum, and then they resell that service to the, uh, to the customer. Um, they all do it in isolation. So, you know, the American carriers look at America, the European carriers look at European. What, what we've got is we've got a generation that's coming through that has no borders, right? When I grew up, my next door neighbor was the one that challenged me. Okay, he got a new car. Like, Dad, i got to get a new car. i got to work hard. Well, our kids today, their next door neighbors are the Kardashians, right? Their next door neighbors are the people that they see on YouTube. So their aspirations and expectations on a global front are way different from ours. So when I look at the next generation that's coming through, my 17-year-old daughter gets her news off TikTok and Snapchat. She does not get it off Fox or CNN. As far as I'm concerned, those two platforms in the next 10 years will basically be gone. So when you start looking at where people are consuming media and how the next generation is consuming media and how they're consuming their mobile devices and what they see their connectivity to be, the traditional carrier model that we have today does not work. So I don't know whether they can reinvent themselves. It's very hard to reinvent yourselves when you're paying out a dividend and you've got to constantly keep paying that dividend out. Otherwise, your stock falls and your bonuses don't go up. So the, the whole model is kind of upside down. And I think it's, if I was a carrier, my biggest concern is going to be a small startup somewhere who comes in and literally upends the market. Yeah, I mean, you need that. You, you need to have somebody because... I do think that these bigger companies become complacent. They feel like we've got them. They have no other choice. So they need us more than we need them. And, and I think your model is more of, hey, you as the customer, we need you guys. We want to offer a superior product and we want to service you guys instead of the other way around. And, and I think we need people like you. Because I think cellular, internet, free flow of information is more, more important than ever in everybody's lives. And we, and we need that. Oh, we, we absolutely need that. And, and we, again, I, I just look at the, the, the carrier model. And you look at the music industry and how that evolved, right? I remember EMI went out and bought a CD like manufacturing plant, right? Because they were like, we've got to make our own CDs. And then that became irrelevant. And casingles and, and all these things. So what you've seen is a massive transformation, by the way, and it was a lag. The music industry lagged in embracing new technology. In fact, you know, with Napster and a lot of the other ones that would come in, it was all around pirating started it all, right? Yep. And then you look at video, right? Video was the same. And everyone forgets that Netflix basically was set up because Blockbuster would charge you late fees, and now they're one of the largest yeah. media companies. And they didn't set out to make original content. They set and out didn't Blockbuster have an opportunity to buy Netflix at once? I, I, or was that a rumor? No, 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 they had an opportunity to buy it and they thought they were, they were a lot, lot clever. But you know what? I was saying to someone the other day, they were like, Peter, you know, don't you get frustrated with these, you know, big old incumbent carriers? And I said, no. I said, if they were all forward thinking, three free thinking, I wouldn't have a job. I'd have nothing to do. I mean, you need to come in. And by the way, finance and banking is the same. Insurance is the same. All these bulk businesses. But where we are in mobility today and connectivity today, you know, everyone's like content's the king, right? Well, guess distribution's the emperor. 
You bring the two pieces together, bundle that up with a seamless experience and not rip the customers off, give it an easy platform that they never need to call, they never need to worry whether they're on Wi-Fi, whether they're on GoGo Air on the aeroplane or whether they're on the ground on 4G, 5G or Elon Musk's um, space low orbiting network. You take all that, make it ubiquitous and basically just connect them based on what they need at the time. It's game over. Now, the problem with the carriers is that they're all siloed, right? If you look at Facebook, Facebook runs across every platform. Amazon runs across every platform. Apple runs across every platform, every carrier. Well, a carrier can only innovate in its own bubble, right? Yeah. And you and I both know that doesn't work that way. So they've created more wealth for Facebook. They've created more wealth for social media companies and online companies on their network, but receiving zero revenue. In fact, they're in a war to see who can be the cheapest. You know, it's no, it's no coincidence that Disney Plus waited until the last carrier offered an unlimited plan, right? The second yeah. Verizon and AT&T offered an unlimited plan, Disney came out. So what you've effectively got is a, a race for giving away free network, and all these guys are riding on top of it, all charging you a subscription, right? Something yeah. has to break, right? Something has to give. And, and yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I agree with you because it does kind of seem like these streaming for, formats were waiting for that unlimited data thing because there was a time, because I, I got grandfathered in when I was on AT&T, I had unlimited for the longest time in the world and then they, they got rid of that and then the companies came back to it. What, what made them do that? Why did they go away from it and then come back to it? even though that they were throttling people. Well, it's funny because the credit goes to T-Mobile that they actually really revolutionized. But in fact, Sprint was actually doing it first. I'll tell you what they went back, why they went back to it. So when you have four in any industry, right, the first two can get away with strategic growth. They're the powerhouse. They've got the bigger the network, et cetera, et cetera. The third person is a combination of price and network, right? So you've got this T-Mobile, which is a combination of both. The fourth person is all price right? Their only point of differentiation in any industry, I don't care what it is, if you're the fourth player, you're the cheapest than the first guy, right? The first guy. So what happened was Sprint came in and said, we're dying here. We're dying on the vine. We need customers. So they went out and rated the unlimited. Basically, T-Mobile matched that. And what happened was customers left in droves. They were willing. So the, the, the theory that the bigger carriers had was, well, we're Verizon at t We have a better network. Customers won't leave us. They'll pay a premium to stay on us because it, well, that was, that's wrong, right? The customers yeah. will leave you and they'll put up with a service that may be not as good if they're not paying as much. But as long as it does the job, it doesn't have to do the job oh, everywhere. Yeah. So this concept of like, coverage everywhere, and it didn't matter, right? Because if most people were living in a 10-mile catching a train to their job and back and the phone worked, Sprint worked, that was enough. You didn't need to have coverage in Montana. You didn't need to have coverage if you're driving on a freeway. It didn't matter yeah. to them. Now, I'm curious. I, I work construction. Before I got into radio, I, I work construction. I was a welder part-time. You know, when you're first trying to break into a business and something you love, you do it where you can do what you love. But why didn't, like, Nextel work with the two-way communicator? Because uh, everybody on the job site had the Nextel, so you could hit the little walkie-talkie. And everybody loved it. It seemed like it was popular at one time. And then just all of a sudden, it just dropped off the face of the world. It was because Sprint bought them and Sprint wanted to get rid of it. What was that? 
Well, well I was, by the way, we launched Boost on Nextel. They were our partners. So oh, I, you did? Yeah, I had Push to Talk. I loved Push to Talk, by the way. I loved, when I saw that from Nextel, that, that's why I went after Nextel and was very aggressive to get a partnership with them because I had worked out a way of delivering voice twice, right? The problem is that the network itself was fairly archaic. And so what they tried to do is they tried to take a very good product in the Motorola IBAN network, which was the one that powered it, yeah. and they tried to morph it into CDMA. And what happened was you had the overall experience wasn't the same, right? The, the, the latency wasn't, it was there. It just wasn't the same experience. So people went away. The other thing is you've got to remember when Nexo was at its prime, and you may not remember this, but text messaging was from carrier to carrier. Like, you right, couldn't go carrier? You couldn't go to different carriers? No, I mean, this only came out in 2002, Wow. So what you effectively had was, so that's why I tried to tell people, the interoperability of text messaging was revolutionary, right? And, and that changed the way that people started to communicate. So the whole concept of push to talk was instant communication, right? And so yeah. that's why it worked. But once people started to have to communicate with other people, then the text messaging literally went absolutely crazy. The carriers missed it. They started charging you so much money for SMS text messaging. WhatsApp comes in. All these other, this is a classic example. Go back. There's a, a history of mistakes that carriers have made. They lost the revenue because they tried to stick it into you for your SMS text messaging. WhatsApp came out and said, you know what, it's free. Instant messaging came out, it's free. So as, as and then carriers, suddenly their SMS messages went down. Remember, I, I, yeah. go ahead. I, I know you're busy and, and I don't want to take up a lot of your time. You're, you're like, you're one of the biggest names I've talked to in a really, really long time, but I'm very interested. One of the greatest thing about our country, I got two questions. This is one I got to ask because personally, I like to hear stories about this. One of the greatest things about our country is the immigrants that come here to make a life for themselves. Tell me a little bit about this story. What made you want to come to the United States and, and pursue a, a successful business here? Was it hard to do? Um, just give me a little bit of a, a run through. What, what made you want to come here? What made you want to work here and create a business? Because you've helped create jobs in this country. And, and I think that's what makes our country great. I've probably created 25 to 30,000 jobs inside the Boost uh, ecosystem. But let me tell you something about America as a foreigner who, who moved across here and what makes this country absolutely fantastic and I hope that you never lose it. So if I create an idea as an example, if I just come up with this idea of a pair of glasses, right, and I mm. put that down in any other country other than America, I've got to prove that that's a great idea. They'll take it as it's a shit idea and I've got to prove that it's a great idea. In America, you put that same thing down and everyone says it's a great idea, you've basically got to prove that it's a shit idea. So. <laughs> That, that mentality then means that people will invest in that idea early. So the reason why America is so great for, and by the way, outside of countries like Australia and other countries that I've, I've lived in, Hong Kong and Europe and the UK, is that every idea is a good idea until proven otherwise. Everywhere else outside the country, every other idea is a shit idea until you prove that it's a good idea. Well, what that does is it restricts the ability for entrepreneurs to be able to be successful. So... When I, so if you take that mentality that when you come here and I pitch an idea and the Americans are like, we love it, we love it, that's going to work. And so suddenly, you know, the investment starts to flow, right? Then the idea is now, some of these things will end up being really good ideas and some of them will be terrible. The reason why this country innovates better than any other country in the world 
and that basically everybody else is copying America, the reason why is because of that mentality. Every idea is a good idea until proven otherwise. And they take chances. They take chances and they'll invest in ideas. And as long as America doesn't lose that, I don't care what's going on in the political world right now. As long as America doesn't lose that, that's the dream. That's what makes this country great, is the willingness to accept and invest in ideas early on without thinking that they're, they're not going to work. And I think that that, to me, is what drove me. So when I came across here, it was a breath of fresh air because I'd launched Boost in Australia. And let me tell you, it was hard yards in Australia. It was hard. I won't work. No one's going to want to buy it. Why are you doing it? You're going to waste your time and your money. Blah, blah, blah. You come to America, it's like, that's fantastic. Let's do it. Let's get going. So that can-do attitude, let's make this happen, um, is what I fell in love with. And that's why I've been here 20 years. And that's why you know, I've got three American kids. That's why I think this is the greatest country in the world, even though America's doing their best to blow it up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's possible. I think the, the foundation of this country is too great. And the basic principle of America, which is basically a dream, you've got a dream, you can see it to reality. If that doesn't go away, which I don't believe it will, this country will go on to still continue to be the greatest country. All right. Before I let you go, just walk me through, because I was also interested about this. What is the distribution going to be like for MobileX? Well, I mean, what, what is your, your vision of the distribution? I mean, are you going to be creating your own towers? Is that going to be an issue? Like, uh, just, I mean, I know you can't give away a lot of stuff, but give us a little bit of an idea of what the distribution is going to be like for MobileX. I'm not a believer in owning infrastructure, right? I believe that when you look at the successful tech companies that are out there today, they basically don't own towers, cell sites, spectrum, right? They basically use it. So we're going to basically work with a carrier to do what we call an MBNO, which is what Boost was, where we basically wholesale their network. So we'll go in there and it's good for the carrier because their EBITDA margins are high. They get to use it on customers they probably wouldn't get anyway. So we'll, we'll basically wholesale the network and then we'll partner with the carrier and then we'll go resell our service on top of that. Um, just, just building another network. I mean, Sprint's proven that having a fourth network here is very hard to make money on. You know, the sell sites, the cost, the spectrum, and you've basically got to spend billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars to then hopefully get a customer on board. Uh, it's not a model that I think is uh, something that we want to do. So we'll be basically using that. But then that allows us to use, as an example, you know, public Wi-Fi. It allows us to use, as I said, low-orbiting satellite. It allows us to be very agnostic when it comes to connectivity. And frankly, you don't care. As long as you've got a connection and you're paying a certain price for that, you, you don't care how we're delivering that. You just care about the experience. You don't care 4G, 5G, tower left or right of you. Now, you've already done so much in your life. What makes you want to do this over again? What, what drives you? What, what makes you get out of bed and want to start something from scratch again? When I, so when I went through the last two years of this whole boost uh, merger with T-Mobile, I get inundated by a staff of both T-Mobile and Sprint X and, and, and Current, as well as dealers and, and, and consumers. They reach out to me privately. And, and, and just hearing them go, Peter, we need something new. We need something that, that, that's about us. We need, we need a new maverick. And we need someone who's going to upset the apple cart, who's going to drive it. They drive me every single day. So when I get down and go, oh, man, you know, this is hard. And, you know, I've done well for myself. Why don't I just go retire and do something else? I'll get a, a private message on LinkedIn or Twitter or an email 
that says, man, we love what you're doing. You're really innovating. Keep going. And just one of those is enough to get me over the hurdle. Go, you know what? I'm gonna, and I come at it from a consumer's perspective, from an employee's perspective, and from a, a retailer dealer's perspective, because I think those three are going to be hurt by this merger big time. I think the merger of Sprint and T-Mobile going from four to three, there are 30,000 people out there that will be impacted, either lose their jobs or reduction in their, um, their ability to do what they do. And I want to be the kind of catalyst that puts that together. Mr. Adderton, Peter, I could sit here and talk to you for hours for real. Like, you're a really interesting man for people here in this country that says people are held down. You're proof that anybody can come here to this country and make a life for themselves. I could sit here and talk before before I came on. I, I'm working out a lot. I've I've lost 40 pounds since the new year, and I see that you're into biking, and, and it's something that I've been kind of interested in. I'm looking for new methods of working out because when you get a little bit older, the knees aren't as great, and, and I maybe looked at biking as maybe an avenue. So if we ever talk, uh, talk again, there are so many questions I want to ask you. Well, I'm an avid, avid biking fan. I've got more bikes in my garage than I have anything else. I'll be happy to spend a, a bunch of time talking about the benefits of that. And by the way, I was 220 pounds, 38 in the waist. Um, wow. And I was on my way. My doctor told me, you're about to die. You won't be around for your kids if you keep going this way. And, and I made a massive change in my life. So I went three things. This is a priority. Family. So if there's a family matter. I'll go do that first. Fitness and then work. That's the priority that I work on. So if I've got work and but I'm actually gonna go out and do fitness that comes first and, and it's changed my life and it's made everything so much better. And I all I can say to people is you have to prioritize these things. And as you you and I know as we get older, you prioritize them at the wrong time. Right? You prioritize yeah. them at the wrong time. You should be prioritizing them as a teenager. You should yes. be I mean how how more simple I thought about this and I know it's stupid. How how much more you could have gotten done if you would have known what you know right now when you were younger, it, 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 there, would, there would be no comparison. Heart disease doesn't start at 50. Melanomas are from skin, skin cancer. It doesn't start at 45 or 30, right? It starts all when you're young. And the frustrating yeah. thing, by the way, during this whole COVID thing that's really frustrated me is I have not heard one politician get up there and talk about the immune system. I've not had one politician get up there and say, you know what, get yourself healthy. They're happy to throw the statistics up of, you know, obese people are dying from this and people with diabetes and all But they don't address the core problem. And those core problems is fast food industry, sugar. All yes, processed food, processed food. It frustrates me. We're, we're trying to deal with a cure when there is a cure that started back. And that's why I drill into my kids. I've got my kids going four days a week to the gym. I've got my kids eating well because I'm telling them that the – what they put in now is going to help them when they're older. Is that a PT Cruiser down by the lake? Oh, no, wait. It's the Tuttle Podcast Studio. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com. Stitch You Up specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? 
Let Stitch You Up help you with your logo design. Visit stitchyouup.com or contact them, eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up, definitely not your grandma's embroidery. All right, time to wrap up the show. want to thank everybody for listening today. I can't thank you guys enough, all of you that are sharing it, telling your friends, your family, your loved ones, your neighbors, your coworkers, whoever it may be, because I'm not on the radio anymore. I have no platform to be able to plug this other stuff that I'm working on. So all the growth out of the Tuttle Daily Podcast is because you guys, you guys sharing it and letting people know about it. That's the only reason this podcast is growing thanks to you. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you guys really, really enjoyed today's show. Thank you to Peter Adderton for being on the show. Can't thank him enough. I look forward to working with him in the near future. Hope he was impressed by this interview. You know, I don't get, I don't get that little shock that you get from famous people or rich people. It just doesn't happen. I don't get nervous. I don't get embarrassed. But I still got to look out with what I do or I say, because in the long run, this is a business and I want to be able to work with him in the future. So no matter what I can do, I'll do it. The guy is a good guy. That's the type of immigrant that you want in this country. Somebody that's going to come here from another country, create jobs. Hell, the guy said over 30,000 jobs. That's the type of person you want here. And that's why I found it interesting to be able to talk to him. And that's why I did it. All right, guys. Hope you guys have a great last day of your weekend. I know tomorrow is the beginning of the work week, but hopefully I was a little entertaining and helped the weekend go by smoothly for you. And I'll talk to you tomorrow, guys. See ya. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Share, like, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast was brought to you by Total Wireless of Palm Bay, StitchYouUp.com, PocketPairClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions, Facebook.com slash CCA Productions Presents. Show voiceover services brought to you by jcvoiceoverservices.com. That guy's got a goddamn sexy voice. You should hire him. If you want to help support the show, paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? You want to let Tuttle know he's being a dick? Go to Tuttle at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two Ds dot net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Yo, Terry, fuck going on?